we're starting, we're not starting nothing. We're uh, preaching, preaching a message um, on who's the variable. Who's the variable? Um, this is one of those things that if you misinterpret what I'm saying, you could say, wow, this is a, this is a painful message. Actually, it's good news. It's good news. Many in the body of Christ, they, they, they think that the Christian life, and they've actually been told this, is filled with highs and lows. That the Christian lives are, are, are these high points in life and these low points. These high points with God and these desert places. Right? And, and, that there's these mountaintop experiences and then you're in the valley. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have anybody ever experienced it before? Right? We, 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 then we spiritualize these, these experiences by saying things like, God has me in the wilderness. God has me in a wilderness. I'm in a wilderness time. Right? Or, or God is testing my faithfulness with His silence. We... we, we we spiritualize our experience because we're not, we, we feel that we're not experiencing what we deep down inside know that we should be experiencing when it comes to our relationship with God. And then we find some Old Testament scriptures, right, to back up our misery, right? You know, others seem to feel as though instead of spiritualizing it, they actually feel like God has abandoned them. That He has forsaken them. That God is mad at them. God is silent. He's turned His face from them. Others feel like the fires went out. That God has, you know, as David says, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. We used to sing that song until I realized it was, it was heresy. God doesn't take His Holy Spirit away from us. We have been engrafted into the Spirit of God for eternity. You have been made one Spirit with Him. Ain't that awesome? But the fire's gone out. Life... And my walk with Jesus is just isn't as exciting as it used to be. You know, and one of the things that we have to come to grips with is that somehow we have it in our mind that the Christian life is a revival service. That it's just one constant revival service. If, 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 if the Christian life was one constant revival service, well, how would the world proceed? Who would go to your job? Who would raise your kids? Who, who, who would make dinner? See, we miss that God, everything in our life is spiritual. And that God isn't just in this building on Sunday morning. And then when you're chopping onions for the chili that you're making tonight, that He's not there. That in the car ride to work, that you're alone. That when you're interacting with coworkers, when you're, when you're teaching your kid how to, how to tie their shoe, that, that God isn't in that moment. The Christian life is not just about a church service. It's about experiencing God in every aspect of your life. That is actually revival. That is actually an awakening. When you see God everywhere, in everything, in every moment, in every thought, in every decision, God is there. Have you ever been to a Christian conference? Right? You go to a Christian conference or, or you've been go to like a spiritual retreat or a revival service or maybe... They, so they have a guest speaker come in and does multiple days of, of teaching and, and everybody is all excited. You know, it, it, 
Peter, James, and John's had a mountaintop experience with Jesus. Right? And they want, you, Peter says, it is good to be here. We should, we should build some tabernacles and we should just live right here. You can't live right there. There's a world to transform. There are those that need to know and see the glory of God. The goodness of God. And how do they see it? How do they see the glory of God? How did the disciples see the glory of God when Jesus walked the earth? In Jesus. How does the world... Jesus isn't walking the earth anymore. Do you know that? How do they see the glory of God, the goodness of God in the earth today? His body. Through you and through me. Amen? But, but you have these mountaintop experiences. You have these, these, these moments that, that seem to take you so high. And then after a few days, maybe a few weeks, all of a sudden things just start going back to normal. And the fire seems to be gone. There's a feeling of emptiness. And then you're just going through the motions again. I've seen it in our own church. I've seen it in our own church. We, 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 there's, there's actually, this is letting you see behind the curtain a little bit. Pastor Tom and I, we kind, we kind of jokingly say when, when, a, when a person comes and they are very vocal on how awesome the church is and they just love it and all that, we start picking dates on the calendar of how long they'll last. Because it's based on an experience. It's based on something new. It's, it's based on our church. If you've been here since we've open, opened the doors almost, well, 11 years ago, we have not changed. I have taught the exact principles, the exact doctrine. I've taught the same thing, and I haven't wavered for 11 years. Whether it's good, whether you think it's good or bad, it hasn't changed. So when someone comes in here and they're so excited, they're so excited about hearing the gospel and all these things, and then all of a sudden they start losing that excitement and we haven't changed, what's changed? Most of the time what happens is the gospel gets confronts us and we realize, just like in this message today, the gospel confronts us and we realize that God doesn't change. We need to change. Just because this is, 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 is just, and, and understand, just because this is the, the spiritual life that most believers experience doesn't mean it's the spiritual life, the kingdom life that God intended you to live. Just just because maybe you even had a teacher or a preacher or a pastor tell you, well, there's highs and lows with God. God will take you out in the wilderness. You know, God will be silent. He'll turn His back on you. Just because you've experienced highs and you've experienced lows, just because that's your experience, that does not mean that your experience is what God wants you to experience. And what God intended for you. You know, the word variable. Here's some other words that go along with variable. Changeable, shifting, fluctuating, wavering, inconsistent, unsteady, unstable, unpredictable, undependable, unreliable, in, inform, uh, informal, up and down, blowing back and forth, hot and cold. See, for something to change in an experience, there has to be a variable. There's, you can't have change without a variable. It, the antonyms, or the opposite, would be consistent. Consistent. And for most Christians, our 
life, our experience with God is not consistent. It's changing. It's fluctuating. It's exciting and then it's depressing. And the only reason it can be that way is because there's a variable. There's a variable. There's something in that relationship that is allowing it to change. So, in our relationship with God, if our experience changes with God, there has to be a variable in that relationship. So seeing that there are only two people in our relationship, God and ourselves, we need to figure out which one's the variable. Either we are, or God is. Either, either we are the thing that changes, or it's God is the one that changes. Either we are the one that causes our experience to be different, or God is the one that's causing our experience to be different. And religion and people trying to understand this roller coaster spiritual life, a lot of times they blame God, which is nothing new. Right, right from the beginning, Adam says, well, the only reason I sinned is because of that woman you gave me. He wasn't even blaming the woman. He was blaming God for giving the woman. He just forgot just a few days earlier, he brought, brought Eve to her and he said, whoa, man, she should be called woman. Because that's what Adam said. He said, whoa, man. Right? He was all excited. But, my, but we blame God. We blame God. I, I am so thankful that God is long-suffering. Long-suffering. Because we blame God thinking that He is the variable. So, I kind of have already alluded to it, but we need to figure out, we need to see from Scripture who's the variable. Because if we can find out who the variable is and then correct the variable, then our Christian life can stay constant. We can stay in constant fellowship with God. We can be constantly filled to overflowing with His peace, His love, His joy, His gentleness, His long self, uh, long, uh, long, his long suffering, his, his, did I say peace already? His peace, right? His self-control. We, we can be filled with the joy of the Lord, right? It doesn't have to be just on Sunday at Caris New Testament Church that you're filled with excitement and joy for God. Amen. We can stay constant in our relationship with God. In Malachi 3.6, it says this about God. For I am the Lord, for I the Lord do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. <laughs> I love this scripture. Don't, this, is, this is comical. Basically, it's God saying, hey, the simple fact that you are not destroyed proves that I am a constant God that never changed, never fluctuates, is in constant, and my love and my mercy is constantly flowing towards you. In Numbers 23 19, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? This should give our hearts great confidence. This is who your God is. Have you ever experienced, have you ever had a boss that you don't know who they're going to be? One day they can go in and they're just singing your praises. The next day they go in and they're going off the handle for no reason at all. You don't, you, you, you don't know the way that they're, they're constantly fluctuating. They're constantly changing. And, and thank God that God is not that way. He stays constant. You always know. You know, if, if, 
if I had a, have a boss or or somebody that is constant and they know they let you, they, you don't have to guess at their mood, you don't have to guess at any of that stuff. Even if they're stern, even if they're strict, I appreciate that I don't have to guess what kind of mood they're going to be in because they're constant. You can you can know what they expect from you always because they don't fluctuate, right? They're not moved, tossed to and fro. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It doesn't change. It doesn't fluctuate. In Psalms 102, 25-27, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They, they will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will uh, change them like a robe, and they will pass away, but you are the same and your years have no end. God never changes. In Psalms 119.89, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. In Isaiah 40, verse 28, Have, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Again, Scripture is confirming that God is not the variable. He is not the one that's changing. In Psalms 33, verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. His plans are constant to every generation. In Psalms 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth or even you have formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's our everlasting God. In Psalms 119, verse 90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. Think about that. God is faithful. He is the faithful one. And His faithfulness endures. It's constant from generation to generation. You have established the earth and it stands fast. In 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. For He cannot, cannot deny Himself. God is the faithful one. And in the midst of your faithfulness, He still remains faithful to you. That's good news. It, it's, it's, that, it's that Scripture that ties to that vision of when you let go of God's hand, He doesn't let go of yours. He's still holding on. When you think you're going to fall, He has you and he will not let you fall. He's the faithful one. In James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Only good gifts and perfect gifts come from above. Only good gifts and perfect gifts come from above. Stop blaming God for what He's not giving. And stop trying to... <laughs> well, let's stop. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variant, uh, variation or shadow due to change. In God, there's no variations of God. He's constant. He's constantly good. He's constantly trying to give His children good gifts, right? And there is no shadow, there is no shadow due to change in Him. He has no evil to give. He only has life to give. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. And the Bible says that all His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's the same. He doesn't shift. He doesn't change. God has said yes. Do we add our amen? Our so be it. In 1 Timothy verse 1, verse 17, or chapter 1, verse 17, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God to honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the everlasting God. So based on these 13 scriptures, right? That's probably more Bible than most of you read this year. Based on these 13 scriptures, 
Who is, is God the variable? I think we can firmly state that God is not the variable in our relationship, in our lives. He is the one, He is not the one that changes. He is the constant one. He is our firm foundation. He is not the shifting sand. And this should be good news to our ears. It should be good news and cause our heart to leap. But you would be surprised at how many people don't like the thought of God not being their problem. Don't take away my blame. My excuse. So many are stuck in a rut. They're stuck in this perpetual of repetitive life of ups and downs, of trying to be good enough, trying to earn God's favor, trying to get to a place where they can feel the presence of God because they think that they've got to constantly do something to earn His favor. But this is good news. This is good news. And like I said, it should cause our heart to beat faster. To know that God does not change. That God is not our problem. God is not the problem for humanity. And He's not your problem. He's not the issue in your life. He is not the one that has come to rob, to kill, and destroy. But He has come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. Because one of the things that you've got to think about is that if God was our variable, if God was the one that changes, if God was the unstable one in this relationship, the fickle one, the one that wavers, then we'd be in trouble. We'd be in trouble. Because you can't change God. We can't change God. We, will be, we, we would be... We would never know what to expect from Him. We would we'd never know how our relationship would, would, would be. We'd, we'd always have ups and downs based on what God, what mood God is in. Right? We, we would be a lot like religion teaches. But God is not the variable. And a roller coaster relationship with God is not His will for our lives. He wants you to experience His pleasure day in and day out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. There is so much in this verse right here that we just skim over and we don't even meditate upon. God's will for us is to be going from glory to glory, not pit to pit. Not from mountaintop experience to valley lows. God's will for your life is for you to go from glory to glory. His goodness being revealed to you in a greater way more and more. And it says that we behold this glory as in a mirror. Not a telescope. In a mirror. See, a lot of people think that we, we see the glory of God by going and looking in a Hubble telescope and it's some way off in outer space in a place called heaven, that's where the glory of God is. And I'm sure there's glory there. But that's not what the Bible says where we are to look. The Greek word translated here literally means to mirror one's self. How many of you, when you look in a mirror, see yourself? 
I do. Right? Is that a trick question? When you look in a mirror, who do you see? Yourself. See, you're having a hard time answering because you're already getting ahead of me and you're seeing what the Scriptures actually say. We behold His glory as looking in a mirror. It's conveying the idea of looking at the glory of the Lord that is in us. That is in you. As we see the glory of the Lord that is within us through our union with Christ, our outer selves begin to reflect that glory for all to see. You need to look in the mirror a little bit more. You need to see your true self. You need to see the glory of God being revealed in you. See, most Christians envision God's glory as being far off. It's in heaven. Right? It's around His throne. Or, they, 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 they see His glory as not being consistent. They see it as something that comes and goes. Right? Man, the glory of God was in that service. Well, yeah? You know the glory of God's in you? Right? You go to a conference, man, the glory of God fell. Oh, yeah? I sleep in the glory of God. We don't believe the gospel, folks. And for a lot of us, we, we think the gospel is just accept Jesus Christ as your Savior so you don't go to hell. That's not, even though that's true, that's not good news. It's not good news that you're a sinner and that you're going to hell. The good news is, is that God wants to give you His eternal life. God wants to put His glory in you. God wants to reveal Himself, His goodness in and through you, but not only in and through you, but with you. If you, if, 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 you, if you don't understand that you are filled with the glory of God, you won't experience the transformation that comes by beholding the glory that is in us. The glory that is in us constantly. Constantly. Unwaveringly. Eternally. Why? Because He is the faithful one. This is the life that we are called to live. Unfortunately, too many believers resemble what James describes in James 1.23. Listen to this. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he looked at himself, and then he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he is. You become a doer of the Word when you see yourself as you are, the glory of God revealed into you, and then you live in correspondence to what you see. And too many Christians will sit here in a Sunday service like we're doing right now, they'll hear this, and then they'll go out those doors and they'll forget what manner of man or woman they are. You need to behold you need to behold yourself in a mirror. And the Word of God says that it's a mirror. Do you know that you can see who you are? You, do you know right now I'm holding up a mirror to you by preaching the Word of God? You are seeing yourself in your identity in Christ Jesus. You are seeing yourself as filled with the glory of God. Whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. But I am holding a mirror up and saying, this is you. 
In Isaiah 40, verse 4, a prophecy about when Jesus, the Messiah, comes. Look at this. It says, Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. And let the uneven ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. He's saying when Jesus shows up, there is no highs, there are no lows. He brings everything to a constant. He brings everything to the same level. There is no tripping, there is no wayward past, there's no wilderness experiences, there is no forsaken orphan mentality left abandoned by yourself. He says he's bringing it all low and makes it plain, makes it constant. Christ, our union with God, is what causes this constant. It's unwavering. It's unchanging. And look at what happens with the result of our union with Christ. The very next verse, it says what? Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Remember this? We all with unveiled faces, just like looking in a mirror, will see the glory of the Lord because we have been transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Amen. This is the real you. How can you be depressed if this is how you see yourself? How, how, how can you be filled with anxiety? How can you, be fill, how can you have a bad day? The only way that you can is because you change. You don't look in the mirror. You don't see yourself. This is such good news and renew our minds, O oh Lord. We have direct access with God. Many Christians don't know this. You know, many, of them, many Christians have been brought up in a tradition where you have to go through a pastor or you have to go through a priest or you, you have to have some type of mediator to buffet, to, to kind of like hold, hold back God because you, you can't, God, God, He'll knock you de- dead if you get too close to Him. Right? We have, you have. Say, I have direct access to God. And you don't have to be in a, a, a traditional denomination of, of religion for this. You can, just, you can be a religious charismatic. Have you ever heard saying, we're going to have a prayer service and we're just going to bombard the gates of heaven? Like we're warring against God. Well, first of all, you're missing the mark because the gates are a long ways from the throne room. If, you're, if, you're, if your prayers are only getting to the gates, He's not hearing you anyways. But we say those things, why? Because we, we feel that God is distant. We feel that we've got to get God's attention. He's not paying attention. As if He's the one that sleeps or slumbers. We have to get God to change. To move. We need to get God to move. We need a move of the Spirit. No, the Spirit moved 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. You need to move. God is not the variable. God is not the one that changes. Maybe if we just, again, I'm going to be stepping on people's toes because we've been raised in these things. Maybe if we just get more people to pray. Maybe if we get, how many, depends on what you're praying for. Sometimes you need just a hundred, right? Maybe, maybe, but maybe some things are big. You need a thousand people to pray. And, you, and that, our prayers are just like a big crowbar. And it, it, it just wedges God until He finally pops up, gets out of His throne, and finally does something. That, that's, that's this mentality that we have. And maybe... Maybe you have never verbalized it like this, 
and maybe I'm just being way too blunt, but subconsciously this is the way that we think. When you have an emergency in your life and you think you need everybody to be praying for you, it's true that if you are being attacked in your mind, you know that your, your, your mind is not appropriating the grace of God through faith. And you need other believers to come alongside you and to build you up and to encourage you and to lay hands on you like some jumper cables and give you a charge. Right? That's good. But do you know that your simple prayer in faith is all that's needed? Your Abba, your Daddy, hears that. He hears you. Maybe if we just pray all night. Man, oh man, I wish I could have got some hours back. Some sleep that I've lost when I used to think about this stuff, all night prayer vigil. And you know, as a young guy, all, all, the, all the times are left are like the 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock at night, 3 o'clock. No one wants those slots. So I thought it would be real spiritual and I'd, I'd take that. Then you get in there and you start praying and you pray for everything that we're supposed to be praying about and 15 minutes is over. Now what do you do? The, 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 heaven doesn't say, uh-oh, everybody, get the generators running up here because they, they got a 24-hour prayer vigil going. We, we're going to have to do something. The thing is, we've all experienced it. You know, all of this suffering, all of this pleading, all of this begging, it actually does sound biblical. It sounds biblical. I think I think I got a scripture. In second at first Kings chapter eighteen, verse twenty five, it says, So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose the one ox for yourself, prepare it first, since there are many of you, and call on the name of your God, and put no fire under the ox. Then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it. They called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar which they had made. And at noon, Elijah ridiculed them and said, Call out with a loud voice. Since he is a god, undoubtedly he is attending to some business. Or is on, away, on the way. Or is on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep. And, and will waken. Just keep calling. Keep. And it says, So they cried out with a loud voice. And they cut themselves according to their customs with swords and lances until blood gushed out of them. When midday had passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Does our prayer life look more like a pagan ritual than one that's walking in union in the Spirit of God with God Almighty. The things that we do that we call faith is actually unbelief. Do we need to travail in prayer? Travailing? Do we, do, do we, need, do we, do we need to be pleading, and begging God to hear us. Well, if you think that that's what we need to do, then you're just like the prophets of Baal. Don't expect an answer. Don't expect an answer. Jesus travailed. 
Jesus travailed on the cross so that we could live by grace. He emptied himself so we could be filled. Jesus is the way. He is the door. He gives us unhindered access to the very throne of God. And i got to speed this up. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in our time of need. This does not say that we can have access to the throne of God when we have done everything right, does it? Does it, it doesn't say when we've prayed long enough or we prayed with the right amount of people. It doesn't say that after we fasted long enough that the doors will open and we are then allowed to come in to the throne. It, it does not say that. It actually says something completely opposite to that. It says that because of Jesus, when we have need, when we need mercy, when we need grace, when we're out of sorts, when we're not perfect, it says that we can come boldly. The doors to the throne are wide open. And you can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in your time of need. We want to spiritually work to earn our entrance into the gates. We want our part to play. We have no part to play. Believe only. We want our spiritual rituals when the way is actually by grace through faith. So seeing that we are the variable, Are we waiting on God or is God waiting on us? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We're trying to get God to move. We're trying to get God to do something. And it says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, but He does it in accordance to the power that works through you. We're trying to get God to do something. God's trying to get us to do something. God moves in your life through you, with you, in partnership. Actually, God has already moved. He moved to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now it's our turn. It's the church's turn. It's it's for Him to be the glory in the church. You have received the grace of Christ. Now move in faith. You received His grace. Now move in faith in in, in accordance to. God is wanting to do abundantly far more than you have guts to ask for. And He does this by the power that is already in us. See, that's another thing. See, You see in a mirror that glory, that power and that glory is one and the same. It's in you already. It's in you... you you have everything you need in Christ Jesus. If you're born again, spirit-filled, there is nothing that you lack. There is nothing. When we get to heaven, we're not going to have to say, God, I was going to do this, but you never did this. He's already done it. The reason why we don't do it is because we don't believe. And that's all right. See, it's all right to say, you know what, I, I, I'm having trouble believing. God can work with that. But God can't work with a religious, prideful person that says, well, I do this, this, and this. God should hear my prayers. Or hide that, there's, that they struggling 
to believe. Because if you're struggling to believe, there's a way to fix that. that that's a variable, right? You can fix that variable. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God or the Word of Christ. This morning, you are hearing... This is the gospel that I'm preaching. You are hearing the gospel. You are hearing the Word of Christ. And it causes faith to come. It causes faith to come. The power that goes beyond works within us. We don't need God to move in our lives. We need to appropriate the grace, the power that is in us by faith. In 2 Timothy 1.6, it says, For this reason I remind you to rekindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Here Paul's telling Timothy, I want to remind you of something that God, that God has gifted you. That God has gifted you. And you need to stir up. You need to rekindle. It literally in the Greek, it's like fanning coals into a raging fire. If you don't have fire in your life, it's not because of God. You need to stir yourself up. You need to rekindle. You need to remember. In Romans chapter 129 tells us, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God does not take back what He's given through grace. But it's up to, you, to us to keep these truths in remembrance. If we feel the flames of the Spirit cooling, we are to kindle them afresh. Can you see that God's not our problem? He's not the variable? Unfortunately, we are. You know, in a, you know Wi-Fi, that's big. When the Wi-Fi goes out, it's the end of days. Right? Do you know Wi-Fi is almost everywhere you go? And it's always transmitting. It's always giving out information. It's got YouTube videos going, Facebook posts. All these things are just constantly available out there. But sometimes you can't get it. Because you don't have the Wi-Fi password. And you need to log in to the Wi-Fi. And then all of a sudden, it's all available. It's not available because you put that password in. It's always been available. And it's the same thing with God. We need to adjust ourselves. God is always on. The, the finished work of Christ is a constant. right? The gifts and calling are a constant. The power that works within you is a constant. right? The glory of God that is being revealed is a constant. You just need to adjust your minds. You just need to adjust the signal. You just need to put the password in. And the password's Jesus, right? It's always Jesus. In Romans um, chapter 1, Paul explains, and again, I love how you can take these, these, these things that seem like a negative and turn it into a, into a positive. In, in Romans chapter 1, Paul explains how people distance themselves from God. That there's a progression that causes people to fall away from God. And, and, and in closing, I, I just want to look, look at this. Because if we take these progressions of falling away from God and turn them around and do the opposite, it will draw us near to God. To the, to the revelation of Christ in us. The hope of glory. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21... It says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. There's so much I could talk about here, but we don't have time. But they became futile in their reasoning, and their senseless hearts are darkened. This right here gives progression, progressive steps that causes a person to, um, that if they take these steps, it will diminish or will stop God's presence from being experienced in their, in their life. The very first thing it says, you stop, they stop honoring God. He does not rule at the center of their life. He does not have a place of highest respect in your life. 
you, 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 you don't constantly, you're not constantly aware of His presence. And then it says you stop giving thanks to God. So you take the grace of God for granted. You take the gift that God has placed in your heart or placed in your life you, for granted. You, you don't see the glory. You don't give thanks for God putting the glory of God and the power of God within you. The fruit of the Spirit, that you have the fruit of the Spirit within you. That you have the gifts of Holy Spirit upon your life and available to you. You're not constantly thankful for all that God has done in Christ Jesus. You're no longer in awe of what He has done. You stop thanking Him for His goodness in your life. Then you start allowing the world to contaminate your thinking. Your mind becomes futile. Futile in your reasoning means to have thoughts that produce no useful results. A futile mind is a mind filled with thoughts that have no useful results. It's incapable of producing. They are pointless thinking. It's pointless thinking. Do you know that fear, anxiety is useless? If you have thoughts of constant dread, constant that everything's going to fall apart, that, that, that just fearful of the future, fearful of relationships, fearful of all these things, that that is futile thinking. It doesn't produce anything. There are so many things that we're consumed with in this life that Jesus says, take no thought. Take no thought. Why? Because it's not going to produce anything good in your life. And then, and then, and then it says, then our hearts become senseless and are darkened, unable to sense the presence of the Lord nor walk in the light of His wisdom. See, this is bad news. This is bad news, right? But we want good news. So if you want, if we want good news, why want, want the good news? It's because we want good news so we can change the variable. That's us, which is you, which is me. So how do we change the variable? Well, we take these bad news and do the exact opposite. See, you take these, these negative expressions and then you express them positive. It says if, 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 if the first step of walking away and not experiencing the presence of God is not glorifying Him as God, start glorifying God in your life. Make it a point just to glorify God in everything you do, in everything you, in, in, in nature, in, in your job, in your family, in, in, in cooking dishes, cooking dinner. I mean, glorify God that He gave someone the wisdom for, for uh, uh, dishwashing machines, right? Man has gone, been gone for uh, over a week. Thank God for dishwashing, dishwashers. The first, first, uh, I don't know, five years of our life, we didn't, of our marriage, we didn't have a dishwasher. I, feel, I, I don't know what it would be like not to have a dishwasher. Yeah. Corbin showed me how to run it. But, uh, but just thank God for everything, for being God. His goodness is all around us. Every good gift and perfect gift comes down from above. Everything that you enjoy in this life is from God. And then, neither were they thankful. Start being thankful. Start thanking Him. Thanking Him for filling you with the Holy Spirit. For putting His righteousness stamp upon you. For justifying you. So you can live just as you've never sinned. For having the throne room wide open so that any time you can run in there and receive grace and mercy in your time of need. For never leaving you or forsaking you. For putting His Holy Spirit in you. Not only putting it in you, but engrafting it to your spirit. That you become one spirit with Him. There's so much to be thankful for. I mean, just think of how your life would be if, if you just did these four simple things. Because, they're, because vain, they became vain in their imagination. Recognize the power of your imagination. Recognize that God has given you a mind and you are to use it. How are you to use it? To glorify God. To think of the goodness. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. 
You have to use an imagination to think. Use your imagination to think big. Dream with God. So that it wouldn't be futile. So it wouldn't be empty. So that it would actually produce. And then their foolish hearts were darkened. Have hearts that are filled with God's truth, with His Word, reflecting in a mirror. Right? If you, if you want to stop having a roller coaster of Christianity, if you, uh, and if you want to just to change the variable, these are progressive steps that we can apply to our everyday life. You know, so I, I believe in freedom. I believe in having an a open and a, a free relationship with God and the Spirit and all these things. But telling you the truth, sometimes it's nice to have a list to put yourself into remembrance. When you start feeling like, man, I, I just don't, I'm not feeling the presence of God in my life. Well, am I glorifying God? And I'm being thankful in my life? Right? Because I'm changing. God doesn't change. You're the variable. You're the one that's had, had to have changed. Right? So here's the good news. You're the variable. That's good news. Thank God I'm the variable. Because I can change me, I can't change God. Right? And in 2 Peter 1.3 it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. That, that, that scripture there just sounds like the same thing that Paul was writing. That He has given you the power. He has given you the glory. In Him. And we need to express that to the world. Everything we need to life and godliness has already been given to us through Christ Jesus. Believe it. Receive it. Walk in it. You have everything you need from God in this world. By grace, you are complete in Him. We must choose to walk out that grace by faith. Relationship is the answer. You know, Jesus said that eternal life is going to heaven one day. No, that's not what He said. Eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. Eternal life. If you want it, eternal life isn't when you get to heaven. Eternal life can be experienced now. You can walk in fellowship. Your, 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 your home can become a domestic monastery. You, can, you, you know, they used to say, well, we need to go away into a monastery, right, and separate ourselves from the world to get close to God, to experience God, all these things. You think that, that's God's will for the world? No. We are to be the glory of God revealed in the world. And how can you be the glory of God revealed in the world when you're hiding away from the world? We are to be going through this world as a monastery, as a place of God's presence, of a place of God's dwelling, right? As the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's through relationship with God. It's through having an intimate personal relationship with God. It's through going into the throne room, into the presence of God. It's, 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 it's realizing that when you're wrenching on a vehicle, God is with you. When you're mowing the lawn, when you're just doing these, these tedious tasks, you understand that God is with you in those moments and those are very spiritual moments. Why are they spiritual? Because God is there. Everything in your life is spiritual because you are a spirit. And you have engrafted into your spirit the very spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You. We thank You. We thank You that You are God and You change not. You are constant. You are the same. You do not lie. You do not backtrack. You don't change your mind. We thank You that that is who You are. That You are the faithful one even when we are faithless. 
And Father, we thank You that we are the variable. That we can change. That we can bring ourselves in a course correction so that we can experience the truth that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He is with us. That He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That we can live in in, in awakening. We can live in revival. That we can live in the very life and light and, and presence of God Almighty constantly. Father, we thank You that we don't need to travel to go find Your presence. We don't need to travel to, 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 to be stirred up. We can stir ourselves up on our most holy faith. We can pray in the Holy Spirit. We can be filled to overflowing by putting ourselves back into remembrance that You're a good God. To be thankful. To not have our minds contaminated with the thought process of this world. Father, we just love You. We praise You and we thank You that the best is yet to come in Christ Jesus and that You are revealing Your glory in this world through us. We just love You and we praise You and we see ourselves in You as in a mirror. The glory of God revealed in earthen vessels. We love You and we praise You and we worship You in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.com.